This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold. Welcome to the Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Today's conversation is fun and encouraging. I sit down with entrepreneur and TikTok mom, Michelle Debenport. Michelle is a business clarity coach. She helps kingdom-minded entrepreneurs who are stuck or unsure of what they were created to do find clarity. Something I appreciate about our conversation is the real-life personal experiences Michelle shares regarding the successful and unsuccessful businesses she's launched. I also appreciate how she talks about the fear of failure and the all-too-common feeling of being stuck. She speaks to all of those today, and I think even if you aren't an entrepreneur, you'll resonate with her approach to the fear of failure and overcoming that stuck feeling. If you're new here, I want to invite you to a free resource I have available. Eight books that were influential in ways that surprised me. The list covers a variety of topics, including prayer, spiritual health and formation, spiritual warfare, and more. It also includes a variety of genres, fiction, nonfiction, and memoirs. If you're interested, you can download the list for free at graceenoughpodcast.com slash books. Good afternoon, Michelle, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Thank you, Amber. It's good to be here with you. We're going to talk all things about being an entrepreneur, but failing and what does failing really mean and all of that. And so as we dive in, go ahead, share a little bit about yourself, uh, your family, and tell everybody a little about what you do on a day-to-day basis. I am a mom, a wife of 24 years. I have two boys. They are teenage boys. One just turned 15 and the other one is 19 off at college. Mm. It's a new stage of life. I'm learning to adjust to that. I jokingly say I'm an unpaid Uber driver. (laughs) (laughs) Every mom of teenagers (laughs) says amen. Yes. Right. I have one more year in this role, which I am sure Mm. in the future I'll miss. Oh, I'm sure. But right now I spend most of my days driving from activity to activity. I start my driving job at 6.30. And today I had a coaching call at seven where I coached someone. Then I went up to the school. I volunteered for cookie duty where we bake cookies. I call us the hot cookie ladies at school. <laughs> <laughs> my freshman loves that. <laughs> it's a big I always tell my kids, I'm like, just wait when your friends are here and I start dancing in the kitchen and singing fancy yeah. songs, you're going to love it. And they're like, mom, like <laughs> true story. <laughs> now you and I both have this in common that we TikTok, right? Yeah, yeah. So I, I have embarrassingly enough danced and TikTok in his high school cafeteria. It's great. It's good but for them. They will appreciate it when they're older. And his, some of his friends, you know, he gets, I think he secretly enjoys it. Some of his friends will say, I follow your mom. And um, other times while I sit in the car, I office out of my car. Usually I will work on developing a business plan, coaching others, um, making lists of things to do. I have a lot of thought work that goes on during the day. Yeah. I think most of us 
kind of do, especially when we're multi-passionate entrepreneurs and so many interests, so many thoughts. That's absolutely right. Well, tell me a little bit about how you came to know Christ. I, I always love to share that part of people's story because it's so foundational to our lives as Christians, just kind of how that journey began. And so share a little bit of that with us. Yes. Thank you. I was 17 when I came to know Christ. Awesome. It was my typing teacher at school who led me to the Lord. That's so we cool. were, uh, it was so cool. It gives me chills to think about too, how she was doing her job as a teacher, a typing teacher and volunteering at the church youth group. Hmm. And we went to a youth camp, Falls Creek, if anyone's from the Texas, Oklahoma area, it was a Baptist youth camp. And Dawson McAllister, way back in 1988, Dawson McAllister spoke and gave the invitation. Christ had been drawing me. God had been drawing me. Mm -hmm. I guess the Holy Spirit had been drawing me. And through what I'll call missionary dating, I had a boyfriend who was a Christian (laughs) and I pulled him down. So I always talk about the dangers of missionary dating. I pulled him down, but yet God used that. And I had never thought about it until just now. He had used that failure. I felt like Mm -hmm. it was a failure that I had pulled him away from my lifestyle, had pulled him away from his faith and his family. Mm. Yet through that, uh, I had visited his church because I didn't like what's happening. And they talked about, don't put a stumbling block in front of your brother. And I broke up with him, started going to church, went to Bible studies, went to youth camp and knew I needed Jesus. And Carmen was a popular singer at the time. He had a song called Radically Saved, and I was radically saved. I spent the next year probably on a mountaintop, high, walking closely with the Lord. And my first year of college was very foundational. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to that as far as in college, um, just college ministry and you're coming into so many things and gaining independence. It really can go a couple of different ways. And so if it's when Christ draws you in, it is incredible. Uh, I thank God for those years in college. Some people are like, Oh, I didn't really yeah. I didn't love college. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I love college. It was the greatest thing ever. And I didn't party or do anything horrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a big shout out there then to college ministries as well. Absolutely. It was the BSM. They used to call it the BSU, but the BSM mm-hmm. at the time. RBSU at the time really nurtured that relationship that I had with Christ that was growing. So and Campus Crusade as well. Yeah. Yeah. I know I had my sister-in-law recently. She was talking about, you know, I don't know what your experience was like at a big university as my nephew is kind of looking at colleges now. And I was like, well, I think our experiences were totally different because even though it was a huge university, I felt like I was at this little tiny small school almost because I was so involved with a group of people in college ministry. So it was great. Yes. Yes. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So, Whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations, 
They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Okay, so you are a true entrepreneur, which I think now that word gets tossed around a little too much. Um, we won't go into that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've started businesses since you were a young girl on and off doing different things. And I love this motto that you share, taste it, try it and see if you like it. So share some of the businesses that you have started and just some of the things that you've learned along the way. Thank you. I like to start with, hi, I'm Michelle and I'm addicted to starting businesses. <laughs> <laughs> I started a car wash in my parents' front yard in their grass when I was around seven. That was quite a surprise for them. I like to say I was in the friendship pen franchise business when I was in junior high. (laughs) (laughs) But true, honest to goodness businesses, I'd say my first real true business was a wedding floral design business. I had dabbled with a lot of things, but I did start a business. I booked my first client on my wedding day. That was quite an interesting day to do that. I knew nothing about floral design, but I thought, well, I have a client. I better learn. So I got a job at a florist and I learned how to do flowers. I have, again, taste it, try it, see if you like it. It sounded like it would be fun. I enjoyed planning my wedding and I thought, why couldn't I do this? Let Mm -hmm. me try it. And it was successful. I got somehow got in with Neiman Marcus in downtown Dallas. It had a lot of well-to-do brides big budgets that wanted fancy flowers. And I got in with them and I, I learned quite a bit. I learned a lot about perceived value that what you charge for something Mm. affects the value that someone else in their mind puts on what it is you're giving, right? That if I charge too little thinking I was being so nice, Mm -hmm. I actually lost business because it didn't look as if I had value to offer. That was a really important lesson. I also, yeah, my husband and I started a stock photography business, which we live off now. We have 10 or 11, either part-time or full-time employees. And we started that as a hobby. My brother jokingly calls me a hobby killer because I can take any hobby and kill it by turning it into a business. (laughs) It is so true, right? Like, and in the world that we live in today, we think anything we love, we need to make a business. And I'm like, no, sometimes it's okay to just do something for fun. Yeah, yeah, that's what my brother says. I don't know, but that's what he says. I agree with your brother. I'm with your brother. People are always like, do you want to make money here, here, here? I'm like, no, I just want to keep enjoying it. Yes, that is true. I can see that. But, you know, he makes these cool cigar guitars, cigar box guitars. I'm like, oh my goodness, you could sell those on Etsy. He just wants to make them for himself. (laughs) And that's hard. Go brother. Go brother. That's hard for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we turned the hobby of photography into a stock photography business where we sell photos through iStock and Getty and do very well with it. Thanks Mm -hmm. be to God. I've learned that both with both of those businesses that have been quite successful, we lived off of my wedding floral business while my husband went to seminary. And my prayer throughout that time was God confirm the work of my hands. If this is what you want me to do, may you make it successful. And he has Mm -hmm. opened doors in stock photography. Sometimes we think, why are these photos selling? We don't have clients Mm -hmm. and we don't have customers. We just, I just, my husband hates it when I say just, but we we 
take photos that we think will sell. We upload them. We have keyworders who keyword them. We have editors who edit them, a team who shoots them. And people search keywords, they find them and they buy them. And we are continually amazed at how God shows favor on that and continues to have the photos sell. I've also done um, a little trash to treasure business. One man's trash is another man's treasure. We have bulk pickup. My girlfriend and I would drive around and we would pick up things from bulk pickup every Monday morning. It was the most fun hobby. We would drive in our SUVs and we'd go, oh, plastic kitchen, toss it in the truck. And we'd take it home and sell it on Craigslist or have a garage sale. And we made um, one garage sale. We made $2,400 with other people. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So you have to be a super organized person because. My thing is, is that in my head, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then I'm like, that sounds so awful to me to get all that together and make it happen. Yes. Yes. So we had what I called the magic drop. We had one of those older neighborhoods where the mail carrier actually comes to your door and drops the mail in the hole, the slot. We also, we have flipped homes. That's another thing we've done. So we would live in a home that was real ugly, fix it up and sell it three years later. And so one of our homes at the time had a slot and we'd sit the plastic kitchen outside and we'd come home and there'd be money in the front entry. It was so fun. (laughs) (laughs) That is so hilarious to me. I mean, I love it, but I'm like, I guess because my brain doesn't work really that way. And I don't want to say it all. Uh, Some people would be like, Oh, Amber. Yes, it does. It's just maybe not to that degree. Right. Yes. Yes. But of all these businesses that you've started and then this stock photography business, like you said, I mean, it provides income. That's like what you guys do to provide for your family. You still struggled with what God created you to do. You were still unsure. And I think, I know I can relate to that, but I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I can't help but wonder if sometimes a lot of people can't relate to that because we live in an age where we constantly see 80 billion different things that we can do. Um, And so again, that's another side note I could go into, but share a little more of that journey that you've been on for the last four and a half years where you've seen success, you've experienced failure, Yes, but you still are like, okay, God, what in the world have you created me to do? Yes, absolutely. I, you know, what I didn't mention in those business opportunities are the failures, the businesses that I tasted and tried and I saw quickly, I did not like them. And I felt like I was going around looking for that thing I was created to do. Mm-hmm. Sure, I'd start a business and it would do well, or I'd start a business and it would flop, or I'd try, but I felt like I was always tasting and trying and tasting and trying to find that thing. And I remember at the start of my journey, honestly, I went to, uh, and the, by my journey, I mean, this last four and a half years to right. find what I was created to do, right? Have you been to the Ark, the big Ark in Kentucky? Kentucky? I haven't, but that's so close to my hometown. I can't believe oh, I haven't gone yet. It's worth going to. It's super, it's a, it, the tickets were like the cost of Disney World, it felt like, but oh my gosh. it is so cool though. Yeah, So cool to go through and see. I had always wondered when you see these little Noah's Ark, how did the animals fit in that? Right? But then when you see the actual size, you go, wow. And there is mm. a section, this does get to the point, but there is a section in there that's a child book area, children's book area. Now I'm a former children's pastor, a former kindergarten, elementary, um, second grade teacher. 
former homeschool mom, you know, education and literature, all these things are just in me, right? So I was drawn mm-hmm. to this children's book area that had all of these little bitty arc drawings and stories. And it said across the top, it said something along the lines of, if they can get you to believe that the ark wasn't real, they can get you to believe God isn't real. Mm. Something along those lines. And I thought instantly, I know what I want to do. Again, another, I'm just an idea generator when it comes to mm-hmm. business ideas, right? But I thought, I want a book that is a fold out book to scale of the size of the ark. And it starts off saying, Noah obeyed the Lord and did everything that was commanded, right? It, start, or it talks about Noah, his life whatnot, the story. And then it says he obeyed the Lord and he did all that he commanded. He obeyed the Lord and you open it up and obeyed the Lord and you open it up and you open it up and open it up and open it up until it is like eight pages, mm-hmm. you know, of a pullout with Noah, the size of, you know, a, I don't know, a penny dime possibly. Yeah. Right. And it shows what it really was like. And I thought that is the thing. That's the thing, you know, it's going to have say yes, publishing, and make mm. books. And we were on a road trip. I was in the camper. We have a little airstream we like to travel around in. And I thought, okay, God, this is my thing. I found it. And I got some paper and I, you know, made it all out. I got my eight pages and my, it was rainy. My husband and boys went off hiking or something. And I was like, no, I have found my thing. I'm working on it today. And I sketched it all out and I wrote the words out. And then I looked at it and went, wow, this stinks. <laughs> it really stunk (laughs) the drawings were horrible the words weren't coming and I was like how and I just prayed to God this is the beginning of it God what did you create me to do Mm -hmm. because I thought that was the thing what did you create me to do and I googled because that's what we do now right I prayed Mm -hmm. and then I googled how to know what you're created to do Mm how to use your gifts. I didn't even know what my gifts were, Mm. right? How to use them. And I came across a survey that talked about somehow, what kind of entrepreneur are you? And it, I don't know why it was, I was drawn to it, but I went through and it, there were three answers in the end. It was, you're a true entrepreneur, which I now would call an idea idea generating entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You're a managerial entrepreneur, or you're an artistic entrepreneur. And at the end, it came to me, it said, you are not an artist. You do not create things. You are Mm -hmm. a connector, an encourager. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, and it was the most freeing thing I'd ever heard. I am not an artist. All these years, I had tried to create something. And that opened the floodgate to taste and try more things. So I started a t-shirt business. But isn't that creating? Yeah, yes. (laughs) And are you ready? This time, I was armed with the knowledge that I am not an artist, but I'm a connector and I know artists. Okay. So I hired a friend to do the artwork for a t-shirt business. Mm -hmm. And suddenly I was off and running. Now I tasted it, tried it and saw that I don't like products. I don't like inventory. I don't like having hundreds of shirts, sizes and colors and trying to decide, right? It's so awful. But little by little, step by step over four and a half years, things like that survey have come into my life. Mm -hmm. Questions. One, I was at the last one I'll share with you right now, but I was at a women's communication conference, Blistem. It was the relaunch of Blistem, if you're familiar with it. And the Joe Saxton was speaking on leadership and she asked the question, 
write down right now without thinking, where do you want to be in 15 years? What do you want your life to look like? And here are all these, you know, women communicator, entrepreneur people. And I was like, my first thought, I want a happy, healthy family. I want to travel and I want to encourage people to use their gifts for the glory of God. And I was like, well, what am I doing here? Because my first thing is I want a happy, healthy family. Yeah. And next I want to travel. And all I want to do is encourage others. And I thought, okay, I know that I'm wired for business. It's, mm. it's in me. But yet my first goals had nothing to do with that. But little by little, as I look back now at the breadcrumbs throughout my life, they've all led to what I'm doing now. And now I have clarity and confidence in what I am doing through that four and a half years of question a mm. book or conference, a keys that we're mm -hmm. unlocking. Mm. Yeah, I relate to that because it, it's interesting just back in January as I, I'm not a big goal writer. I've realized in some ways I need to write goals because that just kind of gives you a, a little bit of an anchor to go back to. Yes. Uh, they don't have to be a ball and chain as much as yes. an anchor, but same like I look back at the goals and I'm like, they don't have anything to do with podcasting or any of that. My, my goals are totally related to my family, uh, personal health, you know, things like that. But yet I know God has gifted me as a communicator and a connector yes. like you. And then I, so then I'm like, what the heck, what is going on here? <laughs> like yes. well, where, what the heck? <laughs> right, right. What am I doing here then? <laughs> yes. It's so frustrating, even though I do at times think that again, we can get so caught up in thinking God's only created us to do this one specific thing. And if yes. we're not doing that, we're not doing what he created us to do, which I do not yes. believe is true. And so, you know, how did you, or how do you kind of wrestle through that? Like, no, I am still fulfilling God's purpose. Yes. Even though I have this question. First of all, there's a great Ted talk, Emily Wapnick, E-M-I-L-L-I-E, -L -L -E, I think Wapnick called multi-potential light, multi right? Many mm -hmm. potential light, multi-potential light. And she talks about how we are wired to do things. Some of us are wired to have multiple passions. That's why I call myself a multi-passionate entrepreneur, multiple passions, doing multiple things where she and I differ a little. As she says, there's not one true calling you have, you know, for people like us, you have lots mm -hmm. of different things. I personally believe I have one calling and it is to encourage kingdom-minded entrepreneurs to use their gifts for the glory of God, to, for me to see their potential and help guide them and direct them in that, to, to see that it can be done. Now, mm -hmm. how I do that might could be, be different avenues. Oh, it could be totally different avenues, but I know I'm an encourager and that I'm an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. But yeah, it can be different avenues. And sometimes I believe God allows us to go down these different trails the t-shirt business, realizing I don't like inventory, led me, I learned that. And then I started a studio space with a friend called Studio Space 31, the 31 from Proverbs 31. She's very entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. So we took the skills that I had from t-shirt making and made a business teaching people to make t-shirts and providing them equipment to use to make t-shirts because I know I love teaching. So we go, sometimes I think we're allowed to go through different trails to pick up skills, just like a staircase, each step builds on the other. So maybe in the end, 
you're a podcaster, you want to be a podcaster forever. I personally can't imagine being anything forever other than, right, the follower of Christ and a wife and a mom. Right. Yes. Right. But yeah, again, it comes back to taste it, try it, see if you like it. Right. And maybe what happens is we see, we don't like that. And we learn what we don't like and we stick that away and go forward with something else. Yeah. And I always like to point out when we're having conversations like this too, that I do realize that not everybody is even in a position where they get to dream in this way and they get to explore in this way. And, um, I count that as a privilege. Uh, I understand that there are many Christ followers in the world who just getting their needs met every day is a whole different situation than I've ever been. I really have ever experienced or been exposed to in a lot of ways. And so I always like to just point that out. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And so tell me this, because like I said, I do resonate with this being stuck, spinning your wheels in all these different directions. You know, how do you encourage and coach women who are stuck? Because it feels sometimes like, I think from the outside looking in, people would think you have it all together. Right. But those of us who are listening, who understand like, yes, my wheels are spinning in a thousand different directions and I feel stuck. Like, what are some ways that you coach people like me? Yes. Well, if I were to coach you, right, I have a format that I follow called Jumpstart. I've started a coaching problem, jump program, jumpstart your calling. And I've broken jumpstart and each letter has something attached to it, right? An acronym. So J, we look at your joy and your passion. What is it throughout life that has lit you up? Mm-hmm. That's a big marker. And you're right. Yeah. There are people who feel stuck because they're spinning their wheels in so many directions. And people who feel stuck because they literally are stuck, mm-hmm. right? Our calling, I used to use the word dreams. I help people bring their dreams to life, but you are absolutely right. We don't all have the, we can't all afford dreams, mm-hmm. but that we do have a vocation. And maybe that vocation is a nine to five job or a nine to nine job. And we have a calling inside of that. This doesn't mm-hmm. just have to be about those dreams, right? This is about doing, I believe firmly that you and I are the women and men listening are God's workmanship. Mm-hmm. created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance Amen. for us to walk in. One version says walk in. I love that. And other versions say to do, but I love the idea of walking in because if it was created for us to do, we can go check we're mm-hmm. done, but we are created to good works, to walk in, to continually mm-hmm. do as we go. So uh, how do I encourage women who are stuck spinning their wheel? We look at I take, go through the jumpstart program, right? Jay, your joy, your what highs, what do you love? What do you loathe about what you're doing? Sometimes we can see that the things that someone loathes might be all in isolation. What they love is all in community. Maybe they're doing a job that's in isolation mm-hmm. and they realize, oh, I am, I am wired for community. Mm-hmm. If possible, find a job or vocation where you can work in community. Right. Maybe they've been bod- podcasting on their own without guests and they're not connecting, they're writing and they need connection. Mm-hmm. So we look at that. You, we look at your upbringing, the highs and lows of your childhood and see what connections can be made there. And we do some mind mapping and look at all of the roles as a mom spinning your wheels, a mompreneur, right? We're spinning our wheels in so many areas. We look at, I call it the molecule of you. 
And we look at all the different atoms that make up you, mm. the different hats that you wear. And yeah. just like carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide, one atom makes all the difference yeah. between life and death. Maybe there's something I had when I did this mind mapping three years ago, I believe I had t-shirt business on there and that atom was killing me uh-huh. with all, <laughs> we look at all the functions that that atom requires and mm. it was way too much for my yeah. life. And I needed to take that away. Right. And if you take that off, take that out of your molecule, right. And somebody else has the opportunity to do it and it might bring them great joy. Mm-hmm. Right? And then let's see, we look at your personality, the mm-hmm. Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFP. <laughs> and so, you know, look at that. And, it, and then strengths finders. I do love strengths finders. Mm-hmm. And that was a real large final key that I needed was to see what value I offer, that I am a catalyst to change that I jumpstart people. That's where I came up with the idea for jumpstart your calling. I jumpstart people the other day, my car was dead. It would not start. It wouldn't do what it was created to do. It was sitting there with all of the potential, Mm -hmm. but stuck. And I needed someone to jumpstart my car. Actually, in the end, I needed a new battery and a new starter but I was desperate and just wanted someone to help me start it so that I could go forward and do what I needed to do with that vehicle. Right. So through this, there are three or four more things that I do, but through that, I would help others see, help you or others see what they've known all along. They just didn't really realize, like, as Mm -hmm. a friend said to me, when I started this business, she said, finally, you see what we see. But I just couldn't see the value that I had to offer. But now I see that jumpstarting both your car and your calling are extremely valuable. Well, you've also said, and I know this to be true. I mean, it, it, it was great when you and I were communicating back and forth on Instagram, because I was reading what you sent me after I'd asked you a couple of questions. And, you know, you focus a lot on how one of the number one things to really jump starting or, you know, doing that thing you're passionate about is the fear of failure. And I mean, I can say like, that's something I've identified in my life, probably over the last year with some specific things that have gone on, but, um, you know, it's, it prevents us from setting goals. It prevents us from trying new things. And so help us shift our perspective on failure. Yes. I, this is actually how you and I really connected was Mm -hmm. someone had shared a testimonial about a keynote speech that I give called crash, burn, win. We've all crashed and burned, right? If you haven't, then I want to know the secret, but we've all, well, they probably haven't tried. (laughs) Yeah. I probably haven't tried. There you go. (laughs) If you're a risk taker, you're going to crash and burn. Right. And that fear of risking it all, that fear of embarrassment, the fear of others seeing you fail, mm-hmm. right? Or even letting yourself down or others down stops us from even taking that risk. What I point out is people who have gone before us and been extremely successful have failed so many times. Thomas Edison, we would say he was successful, right? He had 1,093 patents to his name. Now he's someone who tasted, tried and see if he he liked it. I can't even speak. It's a good thing I don't homeschool anymore. (laughs) But he had 
crazy ideas. One mm -hmm. idea he had was to create everyday things out of concrete. You can imagine maybe why that didn't succeed. Cabinets you're pulling that are made of concrete, pianos made of concrete. Wow. It That's so not. crazy, isn't it? I know, right? Right. I believe he, it was the Yankee Stadium was his one success out of that business. He had a talking doll that came out for Christmas. It was the hit. It was, you know, all the rave, everyone wanted it. And after a couple of months, people were returning it. It was fragile. The voice was creepy. They hated it. It was off the market. Einstein failed his exam to get into technical school. At the end of his, he was slow to speak. He didn't do well in anything other than math and science. Once he graduated technical school, he was not given a job at the university where everyone else was, but yet he didn't let those failures stop them. Neither one of them did. And they went on to change the world. They used failure as a stepping stone to their success. But Elon Musk, we're actually talking right now because of Elon Musk. I have, I'm out in the country and my satellite is provided through Starlink. Yeah. And because he took a risk to do that, we're here talking, but he sent a rocket up into space for the world to see. And within seconds, it blew up. It crashed and burned in front of everyone. And he got on the news, on social media, and he said, it's the win because of the data he received. Hmm. And so he was able then to take that data and later launch. And it did go up and it landed just right. So it's this reusable rocket, which has never been done. But he counted the failure as a success because of the data that he collected. And so I have proposed that we adopt the mantra, it's just data. And when you fail, it's just data. And something about that helps to remove the emotion. I've had a lot of experience with failed videos on TikTok. And in the beginning, it was embarrassing mm -hmm. to have no views or no engagement or 6,000 views and six likes, you know, and it's like, oh, that's so embarrassing. And I started celebrating each failure and saying, all right, this is great because I am learning to disengage the emotion. I am learning to not connect my value mm -hmm. to the success or the failure, mm -hmm. right? That it's just data. It helps me to go forward. Henry Ford talks about failing helps us to learn how to I can't remember their quote exactly, but how to proceed more intelligently the next time. Yeah, it is interesting in this. I, I think just getting to the point, particularly uh, even for youth today, I mean, me too, yes. but as youth who are growing up in a world where everything is categorized by likes yes. and views, yes, it's just really dangerous to the way our brain is. I mean, wired by God for that to determine our value. And so really even look at it as data can be really, really helpful. And if you don't mind me interjecting, one thing I forgot to say is the, how important it is to write down the feedback that you gather. So I had a failure recently. I was in a contest with this speech, which a Toastmasters contest, and it took them 45 minutes. I'll just be vulnerable here and tell you 45 minutes for them to decide. And they disqualified me. Hmm. And I had to go back and go, okay, I know I did a good job. I know my speech was good. They called me back to talk. It was on zoom. They called me back to talk. And the issue was 
you cannot reference, let's see, less than 25% of your speech can be a reference to something else. Now, I didn't know what that meant, but because I'm referencing Edison, Einstein, and Musk for more than 25%, it didn't count oh. within the guidelines of the speech contest. It was oh. more of a research project than a speech, but I had the opportunity, you know, of course I was disqualified, but I had the opportunity to practice what I preach. And I got a sheet of paper and I wrote down the feedback mm -hmm. from the failure. What did I learn from that? And the thing I learned the most from that is I don't have to win a speech contest to know that I was good at speaking. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think you're right with the likes. I don't have to have more followers. I don't have to have more likes. It's just data. It's just mm. feedback. If we can disengage that value from the failure, like I, just because the activity I did failed doesn't mean I'm a failure. That's right. Yeah, that's really good. Well, and as we close out, I mean, it's a good place to really end the conversation and talking about the unwavering grace of God. And so as an entrepreneur, Take a moment and reflect on God's unwavering grace as we think about failure and success. Um, how have you experienced his care for you in your failures and your successes? So I'm a little bit of a word nerd. Sometimes I looked up grace. So I was like, okay, let's just look up grace. Of course, mm -hmm. we know the unmerited free favor of God. But the first definition was simple elegance or refinement of movement. And I loved that, thinking about that, how God has used my failures and successes to refine my movement in mm -hmm. him. That every time I've failed, it's been an opportunity to know more about him, to draw closer to him, to learn more. I truly have, in the last year, gotten to where I celebrate failures and, and successes. Don't get me wrong. I love it when there's success. And another definition was bestowing of blessings. Mm -hmm. And I think blessings come in a lot of different ways. That doesn't always mean that, yay, this was great. Everything was wonderful. And um, it all went the way I planned, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes it does. And I thank God for that. He, I don't know at the moment, all I can think is he owns on a thousand hills and he loves to give good gifts. Mm -hmm. And that's his grace. That's his blessing to us. And at the same time, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And what a joy it is to get to know him more through the downs. My sweetest times with God have been in the deep, dark down times of failed attempts at things. Mm. And I think that's his grace. Mm -hmm. I love that. And a conversation that I just had talked about though, like her experience, same as you, it was Nicole Z Zasowski and she yes. is saying she knew God in her pain and her failure, but she wanted to know God in her joy too. And because celebration is such a fundamental part of God's word, it's what he instituted with his people early on. I mean, they just celebrated for the sake of celebrating. Yes. And what a beautiful picture it was, because I did think like, we don't really focus as much on celebrating the goodness of God in success. And so it's good to know him in both. Yes. And I can tell you, having now come to the point that I have clarity and confidence in my calling, 
Mm-hmm. And I know what it is. I, it's cheesy, but you know, you have a colander to rinse your vegetables or drain your pots. Right. I'm calling it a colander. So <laughs> once you know you're calling, you can let things sift through mm. and maybe they stick, maybe they don't, but it has given me the opportunity to see more success mm-hmm. and rejoice in that success. I'm actually working with a biblical money mindset coach and I am learning to accept the lavishness of God on mm. our lives. Because yeah, it's maybe it's that thing that we do as Christians where we go, oh, I'm suffer as Christ suffered. And we don't think about that celebration, right? But Jesus himself celebrated, said, I'm here with you. Let's, let's celebrate. Yeah. We right? don't need to walk around with, you know, oil on our foreheads when we're, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I mean, he totally said, he's like, why would we do that? I'm here and I won't always be here. But yes. So tell our listeners, if somebody is like, okay, I want help and I am stuck um, and I'm coming to Michelle, where can they find you and your yeah. jumpstart your calling program? Yes, actually it's at jumpstartyourcalling.com. Yay. That's easy. And then on TikTok. And on TikTok. Yeah. It's Michelle underscore Devonport, but um, it's easy to find me as that TikTok mom because I am that TikTok mom. Right? And she really is you all. She has like, I don't know a bazillion followers and views oh and all that. I know we were just saying, don't measure by that, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, um, I have a way with tweens. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, well, Michelle, thank you so much for being here thank today. You. Um, I really appreciate it. It's just been a blast to talk to you. Thank you. It's been such a joy. It's an honor. I appreciate it. If you are someone who struggles with the fear of failure, remember, Use failure as a stepping stone to success. It's just data. I hope Michelle's words stick with you. Don't forget to visit Grace Enough podcast slash books for your free download. We'll see you back here next week. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough podcast. Tune in next time.